to uh, the company's vision is to use AI to democratize financial services, to make sure that users make better financial decisions that they better understand and manage their money. We handled hundreds of millions of AI-powered conversations over the past um, uh, 10 years, and that actually enabled us to create um, what we call KaiGPT, which is a large language model that is specifically designed for uh, banking. We're trying to create new, net new experiences, and KaiGPT uh, takes that to completely next level. I'm excited for this week's edition of the Raz Report. This is a fintech power hour with a power company. We're getting excited for the fintech awards and fintech deal day in November. We have Zor Gorlov of Cats Casidio. I pronounce it. Am I pronouncing it wrong? No, Casisto. Casisto. So we we have Casisto um, here. This is an AI software company in the banking industry, and this is a real company. I know there's a lot of AI companies that say they're AI. It reminded me back in the day when cannabis was popular, then crypto, and these companies attach these things to it. This company is true AI. It's raised a lot of money, and when you raise a lot of money, yes, there's a lot of work to do, but it means others who are very smart are validating what you are doing. So I'm super excited to um, have a chance to talk to Zor on this week's uh, edition of the Raz Report FinTech Power Hour. So, hey, how you doing today, Zor? I'm doing well, thank you for having me, Jason. Yes, thank you for coming on. And we'll go all over the place. But when did you start uh, the company? And um, what gave you the idea to start it? Well, it started, it's, this is our 10th year, and you said we've been doing AI for a long time, all in financial services and banking. Casista is a spin-off from Stanford Research Institute or SRI International. SRI is one of the largest R&D labs in the world, creators of Siri. Apple Siri was created at SRI uh, before it was bought by Apple. And Casista, in many ways, is building on legacy. It's a, there was next generation startup, uh, AI startup that was created at SRI, targeted at the enterprise market and financial services specifically. Uh, my co-founder, Sasha Kasky, and CTO and myself, um, we started the company with a, a vision of using uh, intelligent AI-powered digital assistants to help users with their finances. To, uh, the company's vision is to use AI to democratize financial services, to make sure that users make better financial decisions that they better understand and manage their money. Got it, okay. So now that's a big, you know, big thing, using AI to help consumers better understand and manage their money. And you know what I want to ask next, how? Wow. Well, we built uh, intelligent digital assistants that are trained on loads and loads of, of, of data. When they come out of the box, they know debits and credits and withdrawals and deposits and checking accounts and savings accounts. They understand um, uh, the language of finance, but they're also connected to consumers' bank accounts securely and safely so they can have conversations with you about your finances and can help you make better financial uh, decisions. Okay, so a real-life example. You have banking partners, right? I mean, I, I see on your site your partners, NCRFIS, 
um, but you have banking partners. So maybe not JP Morgan, but other banks, correct? Including JP Morgan, JP Morgan, TD Bank, uh, Standard Charter, Emirates. We have customer deployments in 16 different countries in four different languages. We handled hundreds of millions of AI-powered conversations over the past um, uh, 10 years, and that actually enabled us to create um, what we call KaiGPT, which is a large language model that is specifically designed for uh, banking. Uh, NCR, uh, companies like NCR, FIS, and Q2 are partners, and they they're basically integrating our conversational assistance with their digital banking uh, platform so they can, we're enabling their customers to interact with banks using conversations and natural language. Got it, okay. So I guess my, um, that, that's amazing. So I should open up my JP Morgan account. You're saying if I have, so I have a JP Morgan banking account. Are you saying if I'm in that banking account and I ask a question, it's your AI engine that's powering that? It's interesting. Uh, no, this, isn't, this is not it. We have, if you look at our product portfolio, we have uh, digital assistants that are purpose-built for retail banking, for business banking and treasuries and investment management. So the, on retail banking, what you would expect is like questions like, what did I spend on Uber last month on my trip to Detroit? Uh, uh, corporate banking is quite different. It's what do I have in my you know, in Singaporean dollars in my two-day projected ledger and investment management assistant is about portfolios and, you know, do I have tax stocks in my portfolio? What are the cost basis for Apple? Uh, JP Morgan is not our retail banking customers. TD Bank is our, our customer in the U.S. and Canada. So if you have TD Bank account, you could, you could um, uh, try it as well. Okay, so, and so if I have a TD Bank in, uh, account in Canada, or US. or US. So, um, and I go in there and ask a question like how much money is in my checking or what I spend on Uber last month. You're saying your thing will spit out an answer. Correct. Clary is a TD digital assistant in Canada that supports both English and French. It's been running since 2018 or 19, I think. Very effective and TD has done really, really uh, good job at integrating into the overall digital uh, banking experience. Now, you touched on something that is quite interesting, uh, and this is sort of like I wanted to talk a little bit about the philosophy of why conversational interfaces and when when to use them. Um, you know, at Casisto, we look at conversational AI or conversational user interface as a way to provide net new capabilities. Uh, above and beyond what users are able to do in, on digital channels, right? You know, very popular use case for uh, chatbots and digital assistants is I'd like to transfer money, I'd like to transfer $100 from checking to savings tomorrow. And what I say to, our, to banks, I say, well, if you need speech or natural language interface to help users transfer $100 from checking to savings, then you probably need to fix your app. I think people know how to transfer money in their apps and they're happy about it. I think conversational interface is about creating net new experiences that generate surprise and delight. And doing things that you're not able to do on digital channels uh, or uh, even in call centers or interacting with other humans. You know, Try to call your bank and uh, ask them the question that I just example that I gave you. What did I spend on, uh, on Uber on my last trip to Detroit? 
website. They just, you know, it's, it's hard to get in your mobile app. It's hard to get in your, uh, what you call call center, you probably want to answer the question. They'll ask you to download your transaction history and, you know, um, go to Excel. And we're trying to create new, net new experiences. And KaiGPT uh, takes that to completely next level. Well, uh, so you're, now you went into, you just said chat. Did you say this chat GPT? Is that what you just I said, said? I said Kai GPT. Kai, Kai GPT. GPT. It sounds okay. like chat GPT, but I know. It's, it's a banking so, specific large language model. So the AI you were providing in 2018, is that similar to what you're doing now? No, it's, there is a sea change in, in AI that happened with the introduction of uh, uh, GPT models and chat GPT. I think today's AI systems, and AI systems that everybody was building for the past 10 years, I, I refer to them as prescriptive AI, Jason, which once I explain, uh, you will under, understand what I mean by that. Prescriptive AI means, yes, there is a natural language model there, but every response, every script, every user experience had to be manually coded. I mean, a lot of buzzwords in AI, you know, self-learning, self-training and deep learning and every company uses it. But at the end of the day, it's a lot of hard work analyzing the data. The example they always go to is COVID. In 2020, in February of 2020, the only virus that our digital assistants knew about were computer viruses. And then... Then we had to look at the viruses and we had to look at Corona and COVID and somebody saying, I, I have financial hardship because of COVID and I, I need to travel, my, I need to cancel my, uh, uh, get a refund because I had to temp, uh, cancel my trip because my flight was canceled because of the virus. And so that took completely different meaning. And it does, they, those, this, this, the systems don't learn from thin air. I mean, you, somebody needs to go in, look at it and say, okay, it's not a computer virus we're talking about. It's different. Let's start building intents. Let's start training the system. So that's, these are prescriptive systems of today. Generative AI creates descriptive systems. There are systems that know a lot coming out of the box. They're still trained on the data that existed historically. So I think, you know, if COVID did not exist, you, know, you still need to retrain your model. But these are the models that know, uh, they know more about banking than most uh bankers do so and you don't have to you know uh, code them manually you don't have to anticipate what users are going to say so so we are in completely different world today and the opportunities created by generative ai are really transformational banking there is a reason goldman is saying that you know uh 300 million white collar jobs are are at risk and, and banking is one of those sectors of course Okay. Okay. So that's, so, so this generative, generative AI is changing things then. And that, is that what gave the birth of GPT type stuff? Right. So generative GPT is type of generative AI. It started in, in, um, I think generative AI, open AI introduced their first models and, um, maybe a couple of years back, we started using them, but chat GPT came out in November, I think November 30th. And it really, I think two things happen with ChatGPT beyond the obvious, you know, it's the fastest growing consumer product in history. It reached 1 million users faster than Integron and Spotify and, you know, all, all kinds of statistics that I'm sure you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. But it, it set the bar. It created it. It told users what conversational experiences can be like powered by AI. 
So, you know, from young kids to students to colleges to writers and everybody, you know, in between people started using the systems. And, and of course, on top of that, it creates, you know, there was a very broad media coverage. So everybody knows what chat GPT is. I think Pew Research showed that 58% of U.S. consumers either know or try uh, 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 chat GPT. So there is a massive adoption and people are beginning to imagine what this conversational experience is powered by AI can be. What does it mean to really talk to a machine? But it doesn't have to be scripted. You know, sometimes you get me, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you, you know, send me to the, the wrong place. And that, I think, every bank in the world, every enterprise in the world, if they want to be, uh, you know, servicing their customers and engaging their customers with AI, I mean, they, they need to be looking at it. Okay, so your company being around 2018, I mean, is that the year you started? 2013, or no? 2013. 2013. We started, okay. it's our 10th year. 10th year. So then 2018, 16, you, you guys moved to working with banks and then chat GPT comes around. So does the chat GPT model of like this, how this AI conversation, does that greatly improve the software you're offering these banks? Or like what, what I'm asking, what I'm really getting at is, from 2018 to 2023, with the GPT models coming out, how did that change how your business works with these banks? Right. So I just want to make one thing clear. We do not use ChatGPT. We built yep, I know. our own large language model GPT. called ChatGPT. That is correct. Yep. So we started working with large language models that are not new. I think the first, uh, one of the first language, large language models came out in 2018. It was called BERT. And we immediately adopted it and start, started using uh, BERT. Uh, we built something called KBERT or, or, or Casista BERT. Basically, it's, it's BERT enhanced with Casista data. Remember, one of the things that we've done over the past 10 years, we've processed hundreds of millions of conversations. We know how people around the world interact with, with, with banks, uh, with AI. So we started working with large language models back then. We started working with generative AI. Uh, probably a couple of years ago, as soon as OpenAI came out. And then in May of this year, we launched Chi-GPT. And Chi-GPT is a large language model that is purpose-built for banking. It is designed to be accurate. It answers questions, not just pulling content from the internet, but it answers questions by looking at banking documents. It answers, uh, it, uh, it is designed to be trusted over the past 30 years, we learned how to handle PII and proprietary bank information, and we built all the infrastructure to support that so banks can trust it. It is transparent. I think one of the biggest issues with large language models and some lawsuits, which I'm sure you've heard about, is about copyright. Yep. What is the system trained on? What are the data sources? We provide full transparency of data, training data, and the algorithm. And last but not least, it is customizable. So banks can take KaiGPT and make enrich it with their own content, make it their own. So KaiGPT is um, accurate, trusted, transparent, and customizable. So what makes so what makes you built this KaiGPT to work with the banking sector? How did you program it to be targeted to the banking sector? Like what do you guys do differently than a general purpose like a Chat GPT? That's a that's a very good question, and and so the our head of engineering, uh, uh, Keelan, wrote a blog post on our website that goes into details of how and why we built uh, uh, 
Sakai GPT. We built it um, to be more accurate, as I said, uh, when it comes to financial uh, uh, services types of questions. We built it by using hundreds of millions of uh, data points that we collected from conversations with um, banks around the world. These conversations are all PII free, they're all anonymized. We built it by scanning 16 million pages on the internet about with financial service information. We looked at SEC filings, we looked at various regs. So it is built on a strong foundation of financial data and it understands and answers questions about financial services better than anybody else. This is, uh, if you're familiar, I think the, uh, the, there was work that Bloomberg announced called Bloomberg GPT, where they trained and built their own large language model around their own data and also internet data. We use the same approach effectively like Bloomberg GPT or Kai GPT designed for specifically for banking. Got it. Got it. Here we go back to video. Um, got it. So that's so that's kind of you can read the blog post on your site. But so that's kind of like how you guys went about it. You looked at content related to the banking sector, built the models based on banking. So um, is is now a new growth phase for your company as consumers are now being more are now more comfortable with asking questions Whereas I think before they weren't. And so it's now like a new growth uh, phase for the company. So this is an excellent question. Uh, thank you. Uh, so the, the, the answer is yes. We've, in 10 years of business, you know, I've never seen level of interest in new technology uh, comparable to what it is now. Every, we literally had dozens and dozens of meetings over the past six months with CXO, some of the largest banks uh, of, uh, around the world. So I think the banks understand how transformative it is. Uh, with that said, these systems, at least the ones we're building today, they are not yet designed for end consumer consumption. Uh, the hallucination is a real problem and we provide very accurate, trusted answers, but there is a risk of hallucination. Eliminating hallucination is beyond state of the art. So what we're doing, we're building systems, human in the, in the loop kind of feedback systems where our systems are targeted at bankers, contact center agents, financial advisors, relationship managers, mortgage brokers. They can interact with the systems and if they are comfortable with the answers, they can just press the button and then goes to the consumer. So we still, today, we're probably, you know, some time away before generative AI responses can go directly to the consumers, but we are confident at the quality of responses and accuracy of responses that we provide uh, to the bankers and the bankers can then interact with consumers. So it's really today, it's labor augmentation and productivity play to help uh, bankers with, you know, if I'm a banker and I work for a large, large bank, I probably support dozens of products and I probably have a couple of hundred customers and I need to know everything from fixed income to loans to mortgages and the amount of information and the regs and policies are overwhelming and that's where Kai GPT comes in. We can help bankers. So think of it as a uh, banker co-pilot, if you will. So you have AI powered co-pilot on your shoulder helping you with the answers. Got it. Okay. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. So now your business, I mean, your business, you've raised now how much money? We raised uh, 
82 million dollars over several rounds and uh, it's a we have very healthy combination of venture investors like OKHCFT, Two Sigma, Propel, uh, uh, Raw Ventures, but we also have strategic investors in the company. Uh, you know, uh, uh, DBS Bank, uh, Mastercard, uh, Westpac, NCR, FIS are all investors in the company. I also we saw. Have, I, I also saw the New York the New York something was in, invested. Financial. Uh, what's that? Yeah, FinTech Innovation Lab. It's a very interesting yes. organization. Yep. It's a Think of a fintech lab in New York as as a Y combinator of New York. Yeah, uh, they are, but focused on specifically on fintech. Um, it's a, a very interesting group, very so influential, you, very effective in New York. Did you go and did you go? Did they get you to partner with a company? Because isn't fintech innovation that part of like a program where you go partner with a company and go inside we, it? Did they, that is correct. We were members and winners of FinTech Innovation Labs program in 2014. We're one of the alumni of the program and we have very deep roots and have very strong connections with the the, the organization itself, but also with various startups uh, who yep. went through the program. Absolutely. Okay. So you have a lot of strategic investors. You raised 82 million, you said thus far. Before this company, did you raise money for another company and sell it? Well, this is my third enterprise software startup, all in New York. Uh, yeah. First was in .com. I, uh, I started the company um, in uh, late 90s. What was it called? And, uh, the company was called buzzcompany.com. We did enterprise messaging and collaboration software and intranets. Uh, the company was acquired by Maltex. And then I started, I, I used right. to work Who, in Bella. What was, the, what was the company that Maltex acquired? Company acquired Buzz, Maltex acquired BuzzCompany.com. Now Maltex itself was acquired by Reuters. Yeah, I know Maltex very well, but your company was Buzz B U Z. BuzzCompany.com and Maltex acquired. Uh, yeah, yeah. Buzz I, I I know people from Maltex from back in the day. I used to love Maltex because it had the it had the bet did the best job at the significant developments tab. So you want to see a company, you want to read all the stuff. They were doing exactly. Axios short brief stuff. Before anyone else, this is back in '98 when I got into the stock market big time, and I used Maltex all the time. Yeah, great company, a great team who yep. found it, and they so Maltex acquired Abuzz because of our software, enterprise messaging collaboration, internet software, and then I moved really? on. Yeah, I started a company called Speech Cycle. Um, my career started in Bell Labs, where I worked with some of the early. Uh, implementation of speech recognition and actual language systems. I like to say that in those days, large language models were small and computers required to run them were quite large. And I started speech recognition company in New York called Speech Cycle. And we focused on contact center optimization for um, uh, telco market. So Cablevision and Cox Communication and Telstra and Australia and Verizon were all customers. We basically built some of the early versions of phone-based virtual assistants using speech recognition technology. That, that company was acquired by Synchronous Technologies in, in public company in uh, 2012. And then I moved on and started Casisto. Got it. Okay. And so that's where you're here now. So now you guys raised $82 million. With that money, I mean, your software, I'm assuming, I mean, software right a high margin business i mean one it's it's not you don't have to hire a million people to do your business so what makes you i'm assuming you have a lot of money in the bank what makes you guys raise so much i mean maybe it's not a lot compared to the opportunity that you have in front of you to be the new enterprise platform for banking communications which is probably a market size that it's you know unfathomable but like 
what makes you decide to raise versus, okay, we well, raise this amount. Why do we, is it, what was it the strategic investors or what have you? Well, we raise money to grow our business and we have great interest from investors these days because we're doing, we're one of the few companies that is well positioned to capitalize on generative AI. The generative AI models, uh, they are not trivial to build and they're very expensive to build. The cloud and compute costs are, you know, quite high. They will probably come down, but that they, I think, um, in one of the presentations that Bloomberg did, they said that they trained a model for 53 days on multiple high, you know, sort of GPU, high power GPU uh, computers. There was a team of nine people working on it. And this is Bloomberg. Uh, so th these are hard and expensive mo models to build. Yep, got it. And so that, so what you're saying is you have to have top in line developers to build this kind of stuff. You have to, like how many people do you have at your team on your team? Well, we have 75 people in the company, not just top top-notch developers. We, you need to have top-notch AI scientists. And there, there are probably 100 people around the world that really understand how these AI models work, how to build them. And we have a few of them in our company. These I'm, are, not one, you know, I'm not one of them. <laughs> neither am I. So, but they are AI PhDs with very deep expertise. And we have extremely strong uh, R&D team led by our CTO and head of engineering. No, that, that's amazing. Now, a little more off the wall questions. So your company, Casito, is doing Casisto. amazing right now. Casisto, Casito, you know what? Casisto, company way, names. Casisto, Casisto well, stands no, I... for Bank Teller. Casisto stands for Bank Teller in Esperanto. That was a code name that we wanted to start a company, but the vision from day one was to build AI powered bank tellers and bankers. Ah, got it. I mean, you want people saying your name, Casisto, 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 Casisto. We, our company name is Benzinga, and most people will say Bazinga or Baz, you know, whatever. And I get frustrated, but yeah, Casisto. It's easy. It's, it's spelled no, just like it sounds. It's really easy. You know, I like California wine, so Benzinga is one of my favorite wineries. So, oh, there you go. Stuff. See, yeah. see, you got some. We should. We should have. That's actually. I should do a show with the Benzinga wine on the freaking table and send it to you first. But yeah, Casisto is. And, and, and I have a topic for you. You can call it uh, AI, and AI is artificial intoxication. Get Benzinger involved. There we go. We we can do that. Artificial intoxication. I we can do it. That, that's good. That, did you, that you didn't just think of that one just now, did you? That was something. Okay. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna move it though. So Elon Musk, as you know who he is, recently announced that X could account for half the financial transaction in the world. He wants it to become the everything app. Do you think that a social media player like Twitter or Facebook could become a big player in the financial space? Why? Or why not? Now, that was a question asked by Aaron Bree here, so not me. Well, there, there are, I, you know, there, I'm not smart enough to answer the question, and, and, and I'm certainly not going to. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know what kind of guy you are. How, but however, the app precedents of that. There are super apps. I mean, WeChat in China. Uh, so it's, it's been done, and many you know, organizations looked at it. I mean, whether it can be done in the U.S., uh, I don't know, but... Uh, He's the guy who gets things done and uh, gets things done that nobody believes in. Uh, with that said, he predicted that by 2020, there will be 1 million self-driving cars in the world. We're still not quite there yet. Yeah, I know. He predicted that you would have a taxi, my, my Tesla that I had for years that I can make money on. I don't have it anymore. I got rid of it eventually, but you know, I didn't make any money on it. But I made money on the stock, though. So thank you, Elon. I'll, I'll give you that. That's right. Um, That's right. All right. N ne next thing. 
So um, interest rates, this is more market related. You're going to say, I don't talk market, but I'm just going to do it. Um, interest rates have just hit their you know, highest point in 20 years. Have you seen that slow down investments in the fintech industry at all? That's a very good question. 22 years, actually, uh, not 20. Uh, we've seen banks become more cautious after SVB. I don't know whether it's interest rate related, but after SVB happened, we've seen banking sort of pull, banks pulling back and you know on non-discretionary spending and thinking about where to invest their money. We, we feel we're in good position because we 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 help banks save money by uh, adding AI capabilities. And if you go to a banker and say, "I'll, I'll help you save two dollars today or make ten dollars tomorrow," they always opt for two dollars in savings. Yep. A hundred percent versus spending money if they can save and you, you're going to help them save because they can cut costs on personnel and different things when you're making phone calls. Um, yeah. Because that real life example of how much I spend on Uber is important. OK, a few more like questions and we'll be done. Um, you've run multiple companies, right? You've you've been successful, sold them. What are some secrets you have to running a team? I don't have any particular secrets, but I've, I've, I've learned a lot along the way. I think two things that are important for the founders when they start a business is creating a vision and mission for the business and then creating set of core values that will drive company's culture. We've done that before we started the company, three or four of us sat down and then for two days and we said, what do, what do we want to be? What's the vision of the company? What's the mission? What kind of culture and values do we want to create in this company? How do we want to hire people? What kind of people we want to hire? What's important for us? How do we want to work with customers? You know, who goes first, employees or customers? And these are the questions that need to be answered. I think these are these are important. Uh, these are extremely important for ultimate success because people, you know, today, today's world, people want to join an organization that have purpose, that stand for something, and that have strong culture, values, and things that they believe in. So given with that culture thing, is your team in the office, fully remote? How does that work? We are hybrid. You know, we are, you know, would, would like people to come in more often, frankly, but we, we are fairly flexible. We always were flexible and before COVID, our work from home policy was very relaxed. And uh, probably we have midweek, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we have more people coming in, especially on Thursday, like today, it's a pizza day. So uh, more people come, more people come in, and it feels great when people are in the office. I'm in the office every day, and I'm loving it. Yeah, no, I hear you. I'm in the office today. We have, you know, we're about 100 people, and 60% are remote because they're not here. But, um, and yeah, so that's, uh, it's just a different world. But, um, and then final, well, I guess one, one before the last, you guys have a lot of clients. You're, you know, well integrated into many of the banks. I know it's word of mouth, but at first, was it a lot of phone calls? Was it going to conferences? How did you meet your clients? Like, how did you guys get your business? Well, I think the this this is a big industry, but at the end of the day, it's an industry where everybody knows every, everyone else. I think your name and reputation, successes that you have, really matters. I think you know we we do all the marketing that everybody else does, but at the end of the day, we had the most success, especially with large banks, word of word of mouth. Especially in the early days, where literally we had a CEO of a major bank pick up 
phone and call CEOs of other banks saying, I work with these guys and they did, this is what they did for me, you should take a meeting. And so that, that we've had a lot of success with that. So it's a small industry and it's, you know, your company's name, your company's reputation really matters. You do something good and then the word gets around. Absolutely. And for those who don't have the name and the brand, feel free to come to our FinTech Deal Day in November where we have banks, brokerages, thousands of people in New York, uh, right by you guys at Convene in one of those places down the street. I don't know when it is, November. They told me to say that. November 13th. Okay, there, is there anything, that I, Zora, that I did not ask you, CEO of Casisto, anything um, that you want to say before we um, head off? No, I think it's great. So thank you for having me. We are really excited about generative AI opportunities that are, you know, exist in financial services and, and, and banking. I mean, the world around us is is uh, changing and, you know, I was happy to be on your podcast and share some of my thoughts. Yep, we'll get this out in the next week or so. But yeah, we appreciate you for coming on the Raz Report. We're doing this FinTech Power Hour a few a week um, leading up to our event. But your company, I mean, raising that kind of money, I know there's a lot of different people you have to answer to and just and having that kind of thing you've obviously grown a company that is here to stay and obviously well well respected because you're not getting that kind of money if you're not doing the right thing so congrats to you hats off to you i know you've already sold a couple companies but you're doing something right and um looking forward to having you on in a year from now and seeing how much how much you've grown um because you're saving banks money and at this day and age if you're saving someone money they want to talk to you. So thank you for again for coming on. Thank you, Jason. Yep.